Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 33 minutes after 8 o'clock, you're listening to SFM Sunrise. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really, really do appreciate it. Tweet me how you think the South African petrol price and diesel price should be determined. Perhaps it's important that we start at a rudimentary level of this conversation. How is the petrol price determined? Leighton, uh, Leighton Beard of the South African Automobile Auto Mobile Association joins us. Leighton, good morning. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really do appreciate it. Let's start at the rudimentary question before we ask the transformative questions. How is South Africa's petrol price determined? Well, good morning to you, Oliver. <clears throat> it's really good to be with you. Um, look, in, in a nutshell, the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy looks at various numbers on a daily basis. And those numbers are then averaged out over a period of a month. And these numbers then give them um, what they call over or under recovery figures uh, for fuel pricing in the country. Um, And these numbers that they look at are based on a number of different factors. The first number that they look at is the Rand US dollar exchange rate. And we know that there are two major factors that influence the fuel price in South Africa. The first being the Rand US dollar exchange rate and the international oil price. So let's just have a look at those two factors um, in isolation. When you look at the product that we buy that gets refined or that is the final product that we use for fuel in South Africa, we have to pay for that in US dollars. Now, obviously, we have to use our currency and convert that to US dollars. So if our currency is weak, it means that our buying power is is diminished. So if the Rand US dollar exchange rate, and just to give you an example, on the 2nd of August, for instance, it was around about 17 Rand 90 to the the rand was at 17 rand 90 to the US dollar. Um, In September, now we're already above 19 rand to the dollar. So it's depreciated by around about two rand or one rand 20 over that period. And that means that the buying power of that currency has diminished over over that time. And on average, they look at a 30 day period and on average, because of that depreciation, it means that we are actually going to be paying more because our value, the value of our currency is weaker. And then you look at the, um, the product that we're actually buying, the, pro- the price of that product. And if that product becomes more expensive, it just means that we have to then pay more for that product. So if the value of the currency that you're using to buy the product is diminished and the product is more expensive, then that means that you have to, that we are going to see an increase at the pumps. And the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy looks at these numbers on a daily basis. They look at the, um, the, the RAND and they look at the international oil prices and they get what is known as a daily average. And that daily average is converted into whether there's going to be an increase or decrease come uh, the time of adjustment. And basically on a daily basis, you can get an idea of where you stand in terms of what's going to happen in the in the new month. And so the department calculates this and they use obviously all kinds of formulas to do that. They add in the taxes that we pay on every litre of fuel, the road accident fund levy. They use the, the general fuel levy. So there's these two main taxes that are added to it uh, and they do their calculation. And based on that, we then get um, whether there's going to be an increase or decrease. And I think um, the question is often asked, you know, do we, 
do we trust that process? Do we think the process is accurate? And you know, are there things that are in that process that can be um, that can be considered to be irregular? And in our view, the process is good. Um, the calculations are correct, um, so we don't have an issue with that. I think the issues that we have is in terms of the whole structure that is used to determine that fuel price. The calculations are done properly, but it's whether the calculations are necessary at the end of the day. Draw me the distinction between necessary <clears throat> calculations and the accuracy of the calculations. You you critique not the form, but the substance, uh, as, as, as I yes. assume. Yeah, explain that to yes. me. You, you, yeah, th- th- thank you. That actually clarifies it very well. Um, when you look at, and, and I'll give you a very basic example. When you look at, for instance, the um, the 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 the, the taxes that are added to every litre of fuel. You've got two main taxes. The first is the general fuel levy, and that's currently pegged at 3.94 a litre. And then you've got the road accident fund levy, which is currently pegged at 2.18 a litre. Okay, And so combined, those are going to be 6.11 on every litre of fuel. And so the calculation of those is correct. The question we have is, is should those taxes be included in the calculation in the first place? And that you can extrapolate to all kinds of other things within the, within the fuel price structure. But that's a good example. So, now, sorry, sorry view, let's, can, yeah, yeah. Just, I'm, I'm so sorry. This is just to crystallize no, no. this at, at a mathematical level. Yes. For every one rand I spend on fuel, how much of it goes to the government? Um, I'm going to have to do a very quick calculation in my head, but if for every liter of fuel that you buy, six rand and eleven cents goes to the government. And a liter is now what about twenty rand? A, a liter of fuel is now going to cost you around uh, yeah around twenty three rand a liter. Twenty three rand a liter, six rand to that, uh, just about three uh, thirty cents of every thirty five cents of every rand I spend goes to the government effectively. Uh, what is effectively? H- how do we compare uh, to our peers in the global market of a similar economic size? Okay, so um, in terms of that's a very good question and a very pertinent question. So first of all, let me say that in terms of the fuel price that we pay per liter in South Africa, we are we are pretty much in the middle in terms of the price we pay. Um, there are many countries in the world who pay a lot more per liter. Some countries pay double what we pay per liter, some more than double. And there are some countries that pay obviously less than what we pay. So we're more or less in the middle band there. And the increases that we are experiencing at the moment are also not unique to South Africa. They are something that countries around the world are experiencing in Asia, in Europe, in America, in all these other countries. They also get Uh, They're also feeling the pressures of these increases. So it's not unique to South Africa. In terms of the taxes that are added, there are countries that do add tax to their fuel, and there are countries that don't add tax to their fuel. Some countries believe it's necessary to tax that fuel. Other countries don't. We supply fuel to our neighboring countries, um, but the neighboring countries that we supply fuel to do not add tax to their fuel pricing. So where we pay an additional six rand a liter uh, for, uh, for in taxes on every liter of fuel we buy, the fuel that we supply to, for instance, Namibia is not taxed. So they benefit from having a lower fuel price than South Africa. Do they have a road accident fund scheme? <clears throat> in Namibia? Yeah. 
they have they they have something similar. I'm not sure of all the details of it. I mean, I'm not that familiar with the Namibian right. experience, um, but they do they do have they do have some form of third party insurance in place there. Yes. Yeah, uh, this is an important question because if you take away the the road yes. accident fund levy, it's the only way that the fund <clears throat> is, is is financed. Uh, that yes. falls away. It leaves uh, victims of road accidents vulnerable. If it is then a question around whether or not we should be adding taxes to our fuel price, mm. um, what does the alternative look like? Well, that is the, the $64 million question, Oliver. So there are many people who believe that the general fuel levy, which generates around 95 billion rand a year to the fiscus, is one way that you can immediately reduce the cost of fuel in South Africa. So let's take the 3 rand 93 off a litre of petrol, and hey, presto, you've saved 4 rand on every litre of fuel. Our view is that if you were to do that, you're simply going to have a government that looks for other avenues of revenue collection. Because this is such a major revenue stream for government, simply doing away with that forend on every litre means government is going to look for other ways to collect that money. They may do that through higher VAT. They may do that through higher pay-as-you-earn. There may be higher company tax. There may be new taxes that are introduced. And so for us, that would be counterproductive. In terms of the road accident fund levy, every two rand and 18 goes to the goes to the RAF. Now, our concern is is that the RAF, as an institutional, uh, as an institution, um, is suffering from institutional failure. There is mismanagement at the RAF. It's in heavy debt at the moment, and we don't believe South Africans are benefiting from that. So the, the question then rightfully, as you've posed, is what is the alternative to that? Do we then say that let's have compulsory third-party insurance in the country, and is that going to benefit all, all consumers, all motorists? Is that going to be counterproductive in the sense that people don't have the money to do that? Should we then say that you have to have insurance on a vehicle? We know that only 30% of people in the country have their vehicles insured, um, which is obviously problematic. Um, how do you go about ensuring that you have a model that is equitable and affordable for the majority of South Africans? Now, our view is that that is the conversation that needs to be had as a matter of urgency. And but the fact that we haven't had that conversation is something that concerns us. Even if the Road Accident Fund was a institution with great institutional health, very efficient, very effective and impactful, mm. the question would remain, right? The health of the institution doesn't uh, negate the necessity of the levy uh, because it still is yes. about protecting vulnerable uh, 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 people on our roads in the country, whether or not the institution that administers the <coughs> fund uh, is effective mm. at doing so. What, are, what would be an alternative form of structuring uh, our fuel price? Okay, so just on that point, and I think that's a very nuanced point that you're raising about the RAF. The question has to be asked is why do we have such a reliance on the RAF in the first instance? And the reason that we have such a reliance on the RAF is because we have incredibly poor road safety in South Africa. And we have up to 13,500 people who die on our roads every year. And there are countless hundreds of thousands of people who are seriously injured in vehicle crashes annually who require medical and other assistance um, post-crash. So there is this huge reliance on the RAF to begin with. Now, 
our consistent view for many, many, many years has been that we need to improve the road safety situation in South Africa. The Road Traffic Management Corporation is the lead agency responsible for road safety in South Africa. And similar to the RAF, we believe that they need to do more to promote road safety, to diminish that reliance we have on the RAF in the first place. And that isn't happening. We have poor traffic law enforcement in South Africa. We have poor lab results coming out when people People are stopped for drunk driving, and that's an issue. We have poor coordination between the courts and traffic law enforcement, so there's very little prosecution of offenders. So those are some of the issues that we think, A, as a starting point, need to be addressed. In terms of what is, uh, what is an alternative to the RAF, well, I think that there are many instances throughout the world where we can look at and say, what are you doing, uh, Australia? What are you doing, um, England? What are you doing, uh, America, to deal with these victims of crashes? Now, we know that one of the things they do is they, they have compulsory insurance on vehicles. And that's something that we think maybe do we need to consider that in South Africa? Or is that going to be too expensive? But when you look at all of those countries I've mentioned, Oliver, they don't have as big a problem in terms of their road safety as South Africa has. So we ask the question, why should we not be focusing on that as a starting point to reduce our reliance on the RAF? Yeah, I don't want to assume that you're presenting a golden staircase argument here, but what I deduce from what you're saying is that if we had better road safety adherence, fewer crashes, we'd have a lower petrol price. You know, it's it's such a it's, it sounds so simplistic, but I guess in in essence, yes, because if we had a, a better road safety uh, paradigm in the country, um, our reliance on the RAF would be diminished, yeah. uh, and that would necessarily mean that we wouldn't have to charge two rand eighteen on every liter of fuel to compensate victims of crashes, because there would be less victims of crashes to compensate. Yeah, uh, just a final theme I want to explore with you here is about where we mm. buy our products from. We buy it on the open market, which is largely controlled by OPEC nations. Um, Should we perhaps consider uh, an alternative supplier in the open market? Yeah, it's it's a very difficult question to answer because I think that there are, are, are many different factors that come into play in that. You know, our view as the AA has always been, what is going to benefit the consumer best at the end of the day? If we look at alternative suppliers of, of, of product, um, are they going to be cheaper? Is it going to be cheaper to transport it to, to South Africa? Um, is it going to be cheaper to refine it? Are we going to get a different raw product? All of these types of questions. So the answer, the simple answer to your question, Oliver, and it's a fantastic question, is yes, if we are in a position to do that and we can get it cheaper and it's going to benefit consumers, then that again is something that we need to consider as a country. Russia has cheap oil available. Would you buy it? <laughs> Put me on the spot, why don't you, Oliver? <laughs> I mean, um, you walked right into it, and I asked you the preceding question. I, I walked right very into very specifically it. for that. Yeah. Look, look, look. I, I, I think, I think they are um, obviously. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's a very politically loaded question to answer, um, and and I'm, I'm not going to answer it correctly for every certain person. For some people, you know, I'm going to answer it and say, well, you know, you're a sympathizer. Or if I answer it in one way, they're going to say, well, you know, don't you support the people of, of Ukraine? Um, the, uh, I, I think in an ideal world, if, if it was cheaper and, and there wasn't issues um, of geopolitical problems in, in the Ukraine, it may have been an option to us. Is that the only option available to us? I don't know. Should we be looking at other things, uh, at, at other supplies that aren't as politically sensitive? Maybe that is the way to go. Yeah. 
look, actually, a real last question I do want to ask you before I move on to uh, Visvan Reddy is a question of this. Namibia had significant oil and gas discoveries in the Orange Basin quite recently. South Africa shares the Orange Basin uh, with Namibia and with Angola, which also, by the way, Angola had discoveries. We have, at the moment, halted discovery efforts in the Orange Basin. Uh, should we continue those and make as significant discoveries as, as, as <coughs> they would? Would that significantly reduce our reliance on the open market and would it significantly reduce uh, the petrol price that we pay at the pump? I think it would. I, I think if there was if there was an alternative um, that was closer to us um, and, and that was cheaper to produce, um, if it was cheaper to produce, then yes, I think the answer to your question would be certainly there would be. Yep, we're going to have to leave it there for now. Thank you so much for your time, Leighton Beard. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, the Automobile Association spokesperson. Uh, let's take your traffic. Mediated conversation on SAFM. If you could restructure the fuel price and uh, at least the calculations that go into determining the fuel price, how would you do so? Visvan Reddy, the president of People Against Petrol and Paraffin Price Increases, joins me. Visvan, good morning. How would you do it? Good morning, Oliver, and thank you for having me on the show. I think it's crucial that we need to address the devastating use of the recent fuel hikes in South Africa and its impact on our citizens. Uh, you know, I listened to Leighton, and I understand he is from the Automobile Association, so his primary interest and focus would be uh, would be motorists. Ours, on the other hand, would be the citizens of South Africa, including the motorists. And I believe that we, as Papi, we've had a look at solutions. We have more solutions, and I believe that we are in a crisis right now in the country, and we need to treat it as such. Uh, let's look at some facts, and I'm not here... To, to say things that I believe people want to hear or are here as a mouthpiece for the government or a PR exercise. Yeah, but b- b- before you do so, Visvin, b- b- before you do so, can I just ask that you speak directly into your phone? You sound incredibly far away and it doesn't make for good audio quality there. It's a little bit difficult to hear you. Is it any better now? Is it any better now? It, it might be slightly better now. Go ahead. Uh, is that any better? Can yeah, you hear sure. me now? It, it still sounds hollow, but I can make out what you're saying. Go ahead. I, I think hello. Perfect. Hello, Perfect. is this clear? There, there we go. Much, much Right, much lovely. Uh, th- thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Oliver, and thank you for having me on the show. Uh, yes, uh, let's look at some facts. I think we, 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 we often uh, uh, skirt around the real issues. The facts is that the fuel prices we're paying in this country can be reduced drastically. And you covered a number of pertinent issues, and unfortunately, Leighton has not responded directly to them. Uh, firstly, South Africa is actually a fuel-producing country. I don't think many of you are aware of it, but during the apartheid era, the apartheid government invested in what we now know as SASOL. They use technology where they make fuel from coal, and we supply that coal, uh, fuel from coal to neighboring countries. That is the fuel that South Africa supplies to neighboring countries. The cost to manufacture Sasol fuel in South Africa is less than six rands a liter. That's one of the reasons why Sasol is appearing in the top six on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, because it makes a massive profit because the prices you pay for sasol fuels is the same as you would pay for fuels that are being imported 
Secondly, uh, what Leighton did not cover is the fact that we do not have fuel reserves in this country any longer. Fuel reserves, uh, which is what we had, were sold off illegally by the former minister, Jumat Peterson. And uh, that was a matter of investigation. And I believe uh, some some uh, officials have been found guilty there. Uh, uh, the purpose of fuel reserves is to cushion sudden uh, increases like you have currently uh, where the crude oil prices, etc., cetera, uh, is, is, is fluctuating. Now, now, you pose a very, very important uh, question. Uh, and you didn't get the correct answer. We don't need to buy buy oil from OPEC countries. You see, OPEC is currently, um, um, they are controlling, uh, like the mafia would, the price of oil, crude oil. They are deliberately uh, creating a situation where the crude oil prices are going uh, sky high, and that's by actually limiting the uh, amount of crude oil that's being exported. That is a fact. They've instructed countries to uh, produce less oil because they want to ensure that the price of uh, crude oil is kept higher in the coming months. So you're not going to see any drastic lowering of fuel prices in the next coming months. Of interest, Oliver, is that the latest increase is the, is the highest increase we've seen in the past 10 months, bringing our fuel in the country to the highest it, it's ever been. This has a direct impact on all our citizens. It makes life extremely difficult, whether you own a car or you don't own a car. The reality is that people's salaries and wages does not go up for you to be able to accommodate for this extra cost cost that has suddenly been sprung onto you overnight. That is the reality. Now, now what can the government do? Let's look around the countries. Firstly, uh, uh, India. And I'm not sure, and I would like to invite uh, Leighton over a cup of coffee where I can take him through some experiences where countries, which were governments that were put under tremendous pressure by the citizens, had were forced to find alternatives. India started buying oil from Russia. <laughs> That's a fact. Because yeah. if they continued to keep the fuel prices uh, hikes continuing going up, they were for that they would risk actually uh, uh, f being kicked out of government because the people were not accepting it. So that's number one. India started buying fuel from Russia and Iran. In fact, in the last financial year, India bought more fuel from Russia. Secondly, India is not using the U.S. dollar to buy crude oil. Leighton is correct that uh, what uh, uh, the U.S. has done, it's manipulated the purchase of oil throughout the world so that all countries are now buying oil using the U.S. dollar. So we are dependent almost entirely on the value of the dollar. And as the dollar edges to 20 rands, we are going to be paying much more because, remember, we are using dollars to buy crude oil and not our own country, our own currency. Now with the BRICS summit and South Africa being aligned to BRICS and countries like uh, Iran and other fuel producers around the world that are not part of OPEC are now part of BRICS, there is a political solution where our government can now consider buying oil from countries uh, using their own currency. But this all depends on the government. You know, uh, 95 billion rands is what we contribute through our fuel prices towards the government. 
through general fuel levies. And uh, if I was on the program, I would told giving you a straight answer without working out the actual costs. It's 35 cents, 35 percent of of every liter you buy at the pumps actually goes to the government. Now, we need to hold our government accountable because clearly the government is not taking the fuel hikes seriously. You know, when I embarked on fuel protests throughout the country, it was then that the government actually started taking heed. And they they, they realized that just coming up every month, following this process that Leighton speaks about, and just giving us a regurgitated uh, figure increases and and, and blaming it on on the um, foreign exchange as well as the price of, of, of crude oil, that this doesn't hold water anymore. That is why every South African has the responsibility to hold our government accountable. It's only when we do that that we will see creative solutions to the serious crisis that we find ourselves in today, Oliver. So three things that you would immediately do if you could. Revert back to Cecil's technology of converting coal, which we have in abundance, to fuel Correct. and start using that, reducing it to what? Six rand, the cost of a litre that you had mentioned there. That's the first Correct. thing you do. The second thing you would do is withdraw from buying from OPEC countries, buy directly from Russia and buy uh, cheaply from Russia. And the third thing you would do is to not buy in the South African currency, in the US dollar, but to buy in the South African currency from Russia. There's one more. There's, there's yes, one there more. there is one more, the fo- actually. The, f- the fourth yes. one that you uh, safeguarding us against the volatility of the US dollar and the last yes. thing you do is to rebuild South Africa's reserves correct correct absolutely correct in fact you should be my uh, spokesperson uh, Oliver <laughs> we're going to have to leave it there thank you so much for that really really <laughs> appreciate it Visvan Reddy the president of people against petrol and paraffin price increases